Welcome to Unboxy World, the podcast where philosophy meets tech. In each episode, we're connecting the dots between philosophy, technology, society, science, and progressive thought. And together with brilliant minds across the world who dare to challenge the way we think and live in today's society, we are unboxing our minds one episode at a time. I am Ria Salting. I am a tech professional during the day and a philosopher at night. And if you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter to never miss the latest unboxed episode. So let's get started. Let's unbox ourselves. Welcome to the show. And in today's episode, we have James Ehrlich on the show, and he is the founder of Regen Villages Holding, which is a Stanford University spin-off company that he founded in 2016 to realize the future of living in so-called regenerative, resilient, and self-reliant neighborhoods. And regenerative living is essentially sustainability 2.0. So what we've done is that we've crossed the point where it is no longer relevant to sustain Mother Earth because we need to do more. We need to restore and renew our planet. And that is really what regenerative living means. Restore your planet one village at a time. And the regenerative design is a system thinking where our needs in society is built with nature and not against nature. So James Ehrlich is building a B2B SaaS tool to build regenerative villages or so-called eco-villages in a resource-efficient way. And essentially, he wants to become the Tesla for eco-villages, um, where you can get the latest eco-village software upgrade in just one finger click. And James is also a faculty member at Singularity University and Stanford. And he is a senior fellow at NASA Ames Research Center. And he has also worked under the Obama administration, focusing on regenerative infrastructure. So this is in fact something that the president himself has invested in. And he has also in his early uh, years of his career worked as a lightning designer and director for musical artists, such as uh, Tina Turner, Joe Jackson, and more. And that later brought him to a career in video game design, followed by a career in television where he has, in fact, produced a TV series called The Organic Living and Hippie Gourmet. And that one has been watched by over 35 million homes per week. Also, just to add to the resume, he also co-authored a best-selling cooking book to accompany the TV series. So all of this background has, uh, in the end, brought him to Stanford University in 2012, where he married the technology nature and storytelling into region villages research initiative which in 2016 became a global startup impact company founded in the netherlands but with subsidiaries in sweden uk us and canada and so in today's episode we will hear more from him about this fascinating initiative um, and we will learn also how we can live in tune with nature in a so-called regenerative villages uh, so I am excited to get started today. 
So, hello, James Ehrlich, founder of Region Villages. Hello. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hur mår du over there? Ja, men bra. Tack. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to get started uh, today. It's a very uh, fascinating um, project or business uh, that you are running. Um, I think we will see more of this in the future for sure. Um, so uh, tell us, um, I mean, tell us a story. Uh, how did you end up doing what you're doing? And um, yeah, your, your story and then how you ended up in, in the re- regenerative villages and eco villages. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long story uh, that goes back to, to my childhood when I, I grew mm-hmm. up actually in New York in uh in not an eco village but in a very uh <laughs> urban jungle concrete jungle yeah. of new york city and manhattan and long island and um and understood and, and and appreciated you know what cities are about and how vibrant and incredible and accessible and all the culture and the food and and everything mm-hmm. um and uh at the same time from a very young age i could see or I tried to understand how every everything worked in a city mm-hmm. like like New York uh, because it just seemed very brittle to me, like at any moment something could break and would break probably badly for a lot of people uh, at once. So I had this in, sort of ingrained into me, but I, um, I started my, my journey actually um, at a young age. I was a pre- you know, precocious mm-hmm. entrepreneurial person, um, and was in, always interested in the early computers and software and, and technology. But um, back then, it's not really where the girls were. So um, the girls were more interested in music and rock and roll. And so I, I actually became uh, interested in lighting design and, and was uh, doing music, lighting for musical acts um, you know, in, in the New York area and had, had learned you know, and taught myself this craft of, of uh, lighting and lighting design. And basically what happened was that that was also my further introduction back into computers and software, because a lot of the technologies that were happening, um, you know, in terms of moving from, from the analog lighting systems into digital, mm-hmm. were starting to be about programming and how you could program these systems. So, uh, you know, the apex of that, that late teen, early 20 career that I had, I was working for Tina Turner, Joe Jackson, David Crosby, mm-hmm. Grateful Dead. Um, I had done a lot of, of very big arena shows, mm-hmm. very big acts. And, and it was wonderful, but I, I also felt like it wasn't, I could sense that it wasn't, there wasn't a future there in that uh, for me. And, and overall, mm-hmm. like touring, lighting was, was a very difficult business to be in. Mm-hmm. As well as an ephemeral art form, you know, when you pull the power out of the mm-hmm. system, it's not like you're left with a sculpture or a painting, you know, or a piece of architecture or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. it's gone. It's like it, it almost like it never existed. In any case, it's in your memory, <laughs> it's a memory. But it but but yeah. but uh, it it was beautiful and it was a wonderful experience mm-hmm. in my in my my early teens and and uh, and into my twenties. But I um, I received my undergraduate degree from New York University and had really uh, 
sort of moved more into software and technology. I moved out to to Silicon Valley um, after I graduated. I moved to California and started a software company with some friends uh, that was actually north of the Golden Gate Bridge in this beautiful location called Marin County. And we were doing tools and technology for for George Lucas, for for Industrial Light and Magic, which is this uh, special effects studio for film and TV, and, and also doing video game design and development. And so I had this love for video games and love for technology that, around entertainment and storytelling, uh, sort of a progression, if you will, from the musical lighting background. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the same time, you know, we, you know, was living in this beautiful place in the countryside, just 15 minutes from, from the city, from San, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But, but mm-hmm. just over the bridge, it was, was basically horse country and, and, and cow country. And, um, and I was surrounded by these very small plot, organic, biodynamic mm-hmm. um, family farms. And they mm-hmm. were just growing this you know, beautiful menu of delicious things. And, and I was frequently invited to these farm to table meals. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I began to realize that, that, that this was the, the best part of my week or the best part of my month mm-hmm. or, or just like every time I was there with these people on these farms, I was feeling great. And I was trying to figure out, is yeah. it the nature? Is it the food? Is it the wine? Is it the conversation? Um, and, and so I started to, to uh, film you know, these stories mm-hmm. of these, these family farmers. And it was a really beautiful moment because it was at this time when, when Apple and Firewire and Final Cut Pro, you know, in other words, I had everything I needed on my own computer to film and edit these mm-hmm. stories. And so I started to film these stories of the family farmers, which then started to track where the food was going, you know, to elder mm-hmm. care, schools, you know, childcare, Waldorf schools, um, mm. and also these, these restaurants and these chefs. Mm. And I started to, to realize as looking at all this footage around food that we had the substance of a television, you know, cooking show. Uh, and I started to, <laughs> to edit all these pieces together and, mm. and we did very grassroots. It was you know, back in, you know, the mm. early 2000, you know, year 2000 was, uh, like public access television here in the U.S., which was, you know, you had a chance of being maybe one of 30 channels mm-hmm. where your show could be featured. Um, and so we started doing that, very grassroots. And then we, we started to grow this following. It was kind of like Grateful Dead, kind of like following mm-hmm. <laughs> of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, and because yeah. and our show was called Organic Living, um, and we had a sister show called Hippie Gourmet, two different shows but similar theme around cooking and food Mm. that was organic and um and then something remarkable happened in the early 2000s around 2004 we we did a satellite feed to national uh public television it's called pbs here in the u.s and i was amazed because like overnight we picked up like 60 broadcast television stations Mm. for our tv series and um, at the apex of our show, by the mid-2000s, we were reaching 35 million homes a week on national public television and, and commercial TV. 
And in 2007, I co-authored a best-selling companion cookbook Mm -hmm. on Hachette. Um, But the stories were were really more than just about the food, the farmers, the Mm -hmm. chefs, the recipes. Of course, it was a cookbook, so it was mostly Mm -hmm. about that. But it had these other sidebar stories about um, communities, about uh, passive (laughs) housing, energy-positive homes, Mm -hmm. electric vehicles, um, solar panels, wind, biodigestion. It had a lot of different pieces about living in these places. Anyway, long story short, uh, when I had come to Stanford in in uh, 2012, I had this uh, almost uh, 15 year you know background in mm-hmm. in case study research of family farming mm-hmm. and and sustainability regenerative mm-hmm. resiliency at the local mm-hmm. neighborhood scale. And I got involved at Stanford in a research initiative uh, called the Solar Decathlon about who could build the most energy positive house. Mm-hmm. And I went to the professors early on and I said, you know, it occurs to me that a smart house inside of a dumb neighborhood doesn't make a lot of sense. That we, what we ought to be doing is creating the sentient neighborhood infrastructure that's critical life support systems around healthy food and clean water and clean energy and waste to resource management that then allows these smart homes to be sort of plopped in there. And then you, you know, you really have safety. You have these places that can be safe. Mm -hmm. And I was really lucky because I managed to be with these few professors at Stanford who Mm -hmm. believe in something called design empathy, meaning that they, were supportive <laughs> of this idea, this bold ambition. Yeah. And they said, you know, this is great. You should really pursue this and uh, ambitiously. So that's that was the beginning mm-hmm. of the research initiative behind Regen Villages. And I decided to sort of self-fund um, mm-hmm. um, a variety of these smaller project research mm-hmm. pieces mm-hmm. off of campus, but connected to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then eventually in 2016 we decided to actually create the the for-profit impact company yeah. uh, called Regen Villages Holding, which is actually a um, a Dutch holding company. So it's an EU entity, mm-hmm. uh, but we do have a Swedish AB. We have a Swedish subsidiary yeah. mm-hmm. uh, based in Malmo, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 um, an office in London, a subsidiary here mm-hmm. in the U.S. and most recently in British Columbia. And, and really the goal is for Regen Villages is this idea of a software driven design and operation of creating these new build and retrofit neighborhoods around mm-hmm. safety, around regenerative resiliency, which means that you have doorstep access to these things that you need, that your family needs to survive and thrive and flourish. So thank you for my long-winded life story right there. No, but it's uh, super interesting. I Was anyone, because when you started doing the research at Stanford, it sounds like you were very much um, um, uh, before your before your time. Like, was anyone else in the world doing this research or like, yeah, was it fairly new? <laughs> no, the, we, you know, we, we had, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a r- rich history, cultural history in Europe 
for eco villages. And, okay. um, and, and, and then there's this, this group, um, uh, called the global, global eco village network, for instance, that's been around since the, the seventies. And, mm-hmm. and there are examples of, you know, quote unquote, successful eco villages around the world. Uh, the thing mm-hmm. is there, they are, they take a long time organically for these neighborhoods, communities to get built. It can take from eight to 30 mm-hmm. years to build a hundred home community. And, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, well, you know, gee, couldn't, can't we find a more, you know, rapid solution, an industrialized mm-hmm. prefab turnkey mm-hmm. solution to designing these communities mm-hmm. and, and getting the permits mm-hmm. pulled quickly by government, mm-hmm. um, leapfrogging community assessment, something that bogs down, of course, you know, mm-hmm. the Nordics, these egalitarian kind of communities, mm-hmm. um, but also that we could create a network, digitally connected network of mm-hmm. these communities mm-hmm. around the world. So what we did was we, we stand on the shoulders of who've mm-hmm. come before us. So it's not my idea. I'm really a vessel, okay, for this well, concept yeah, to come mm-hmm. forward. But what we did do was take more of an Elon Musk perspective mm-hmm. on the Buckminster Fuller concept of resource-driven uh, maps mm-hmm. and look at that from through the lens of a, a Tesla model, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can build a neighborhood where when you wake up in the morning, can you can imagine that the neighborhood has had a software upgrade because it's mm-hmm. learned from other neighborhoods yeah. around the world in similar climate zones, how to improve or mitigate. So that's, that's what we really bring to the table mm-hmm. is something new uh, with Regen Villages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, super fascinating. So before we start, uh, before we dig into this further, um, could you simply define the, the, the term regenerative, um, like what that means? Uh, is there a simple, um, simple elevator sentence? <laughs> I, I like to say that the output of mm-hmm. one system becomes the input of another. For instance, when you look at mm-hmm. digesting organic food waste and mm-hmm. animal waste, and you use mm-hmm. these lovely creatures called black soldier fly larvae or aquatic worms, these creatures digest that waste and they love it. It's just mm-hmm. their food. Mm-hmm. They eat their own weight every day in these things. Mm-hmm. And they become plump and delicious food then for chickens mm-hmm. and fish the live natural food inputs for those chickens and fish. Um, but moreover, that the process that the worms and the larvae use to digest the waste aerates soil and creates the circumstance for nutrient-rich, microbe-filled topsoil. So you take mm-hmm. all of a sudden what was previously a waste product, organic mm-hmm. food and waste and animal waste, and you convert that into food for chickens and fish and other small animals. You also convert that into, um, into topsoil, which is gold around the world. So mm-hmm. that's an output mm-hmm. of one system mm-hmm. becoming the input of another and thereby mm-hmm. creating uh, something that is regenerative. And, mm-hmm. and when you have that, that can then be a restorative component. Yeah. And so uh, we really look at that in the same way, for instance, um, when you when you build an energy positive house, it's a passive house mm-hmm. technology, 
and you use um, uh, what's called low bore um, geothermal. So basically, you just dig a, a, with a with a small rod. You go down, you know, ten to twenty five meters, not even very far down into the earth. You get a constant temperature. Doesn't matter pretty much where you are mm-hmm. around the world. You get a constant temperature that at that depth, um, and and then you do this sort of heat cooling exchange within those houses and the structure and and so again it's um it's sort of free energy and and you contribute that to to that so these are all of these other regenerative pieces so i'm not sure that was the short elevator pitch for it but essentially it's it's being able to to use nature and natural processes to um to create flourishing and, and, and thriving uh, abundance. You could you say that instead of just sustaining, which is kind of what sustainability sounds like, you're making it even better and, and in tune with nature? Well, sustainable, let's, let's go back for a second. We had a chance at sustainability about 50, 60 years ago when the hippies were like, yeah. hey, we need clean air, we need clean water, we need to shut down these bad industries. And and the concept of sustainability is to sustain, is to hold back, yeah. right? Um, somebody, you know, joked, you know, a year or two ago about being, you know, using the word sustainability for a marriage. If someone said, oh, uh, if someone asked how your marriage is, and they said, oh, sustainable, um, it doesn't sound very good. Uh, so it yeah, means yeah. you're kind of like <laughs> barely holding on, which is yeah. true. Um, so we have to, I only use the word sustainable when it comes to business models and this idea that we can actually create, um, a new economy that does provide impact profit, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. not greed profit. It's not extraction, Mm -hmm. um, and predatory profit, Mm -hmm. right? So that's what, that's, that's pretty much nowadays, right? Where I only use the word sustainable. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting the um, analogy used in um, like um, I mean when you when you're working out you break down your muscles um, and then they will become even stronger afterwards. That's that's kind of how nature works, right? Like you, nature is always progressing. Um, uh, nature is nature is progressing and can be self healing. Uh, mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, I like to say if we can just take a half a step back towards mm-hmm. Mother Earth that she will literally throw her arms around us and nurture mm-hmm. us. Okay. Yeah. But what we continue to do is imagine that mega cities mm-hmm. uh, and, and big ag somehow, mm-hmm. you know, is, is the most sustainable quote unquote future because it's sustainability by proximity. But there's mm-hmm. a big issue with that. And this is the big issue that I have been, been on a soapbox about, which is that we are as a species, the most disassociated from nature that we have ever been in our history as an animal, as a creature uh, on planet earth. So we must find a way back, a pathway to creating Mm -hmm. these, these lily pads of Mm self-sustaining regenerative and resilient communities that, Mm -hmm. um, that provide for the basic Maslow hierarchical needs of the people who live in those communities, in addition to providing a public goodwill radius around mm-hmm. those neighborhoods, because they're going to be overproducing actually mm-hmm. clean water, clean food, mm-hmm. clean energy. 
that's really um, the way forward. So yeah. that's that's the way we envision uh, the future. So yeah, so now that the listeners should uh, know a little bit more what the regenerative means, then um, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about uh, how a day in a region village looks like? <laughs> well, let me let me first say start by saying that you know that that six years ago when when the research uh, at Stanford sort of started, maybe now close to seven years ago, uh, mm-hmm. in, in earnest, there were many people, including esteemed colleagues uh, on campus and, and others around the world, who thought that I was crazy, maybe mm-hmm. nutty, a little zany, I don't know, wacky, uh, because of this idea of uh, imagining that that uh that, uh, that that the city the trend to the cities could somehow change that people mm-hmm. from all around the world would somehow not want to be like rushing to live in cities and that at some point mm-hmm. that cities that people would want to like leave a city and go actually toward back towards the countryside so you know i tried to explain uh in the best way that i could that we we see these climate change anomalies coming. We know that these things are going to be happening mm-hmm. more and more around the world based on the the IPCC data, Intergovernmental mm-hmm. Panel on Climate Change, based on the UN data, based on NASA mm-hmm. data, you know, ESA data, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. And and to say that once a city starts to break in certain ways in certain places, that all of a sudden you're going to start to see a wave of humanity wanting to go find safety wanting to find place where they think they can get fed and hydrated and and mm-hmm. nurtured. Um, so in any case, here we are in COVID, you know, eight, nine mm-hmm. months into COVID, and everything that we predicted uh, about this exodus is now happening, okay? Those yeah. people with money capable of leaving New York, Paris, London, you name the city, Mumbai, whatever mm-hmm. – um, have left. They've gone to either their country house, their country estate, or they've bought houses in in the country, or uh, or they've just you know they fled, and yeah. and so now we're at this place where uh, where you have a mass of humanity that doesn't have skills mm. to live in the countryside, and you also have a countryside mm. that's been neglected for decades. Yeah from terms of resources and infrastructure. So um, I believe this is an opportunity, an exciting yep. opportunity to rapidly deploy these turnkey neighborhood developments that mm-hmm. can be nurturing for these communities. That's where we, we are right now in terms of positioning ourselves to sovereign mm-hmm. wealth, pension fund, green transition funds, mm-hmm. And and most recently, we became part of the UN Climate Change Secretariat mm-hmm. Resilience Lab, mm-hmm. and some very big announcements are going to be coming mm-hmm. soon. You know, from that as well. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, but um, it's uh, it's it's still super relevant and super interesting. Um, I think I mean so. The, the the way I interpret it is basically that what your software is doing is connecting intelligence from all these eco-villages across the world um, and making them even more efficient um, when together. And then like how how 
how does it then look like to like if someone is wanting interesting in moving there like how how will that life be so let me let me again start from from because yeah. i sort of probably should have started from the beginning with this but we yeah. have a village os a village operating system software platform yeah. that we're continuing to develop and build out and the the, the, the main goals of the of the software mm-hmm. are two two primary areas the first is as a design mm-hmm. platform that it can actually design a self-sustaining, regenerative, and resilient neighborhood on previously zoned agricultural or ranch land or or green space area, and as a mechanism to change the rules that this land can be developed for mixed use Mm -hmm. for housing, light commercial, and and community, but also that Mm -hmm. we can get the permits quicker and quickly to create these communities rapidly using prefab construction. Um, earthen, mass timber, other kinds mm-hmm. of building materials. So that these neighborhoods can go from approval, master plan approval, to move in in less than a year, which is like light speed. You can mm-hmm. imagine a neighborhood yeah. of 400 homes going up and that people can move in in less than 12 months. That's amazing, but it's not mm-hmm. against the laws of physics. It completely can happen. We've seen it happen actually in, in six mm-hmm. or eight months in certain places in the world. So that's the first part of the software. The second part of the software, once it's done designing those communities and creating the circumstance to get them built, it becomes the farmhouse server. It can actually run the regenerative neighborhood infrastructure. And then the the goal with that is, is that the software can then communicate with other connected neighborhoods around the world, learn and improve or mitigate. So we're not against retrofits. We can take pieces of what we learn and what we design for those new build greenfield communities and bring them back to cities, bring some of those pieces back to urban areas. But it's not where we start. It's not where we want to start. We, we want to start urgently to, to get the peri-urban and rural areas set up for the next wave <laughs> of exodus, mm-hmm. which will come mm-hmm. from megacities. This is our first uh, taste of that exodus. We feel like mm-hmm. it's going to happen again. And we, mm-hmm. we're not saying that, that cities should empty out and be empty. We're saying that there needs to be a balance, that mm-hmm. we are going to have 10 billion people on Earth, and we need to have a balance between these smart yeah. rural areas, connected regenerative resilient and also mm-hmm. and to connection to urban places so that's mm-hmm. the but a day in the life of regen villages okay so mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. in this very toasty beautiful mm-hmm. energy positive mm-hmm. home that's mm-hmm. made of earthen building material like mass timber mm-hmm. and smells mm-hmm. good it feels good it's breathable mm-hmm. it's um organic and and doesn't have you know chemicals or off-gassing you um, you you have the sort of ambient heated floors and mm-hmm. you know in, in parts of the world where where you know mm-hmm. that's really a lovely kind of feeling so you can walk mm-hmm. around barefoot in your house even in the dead mm-hmm. of winter um, mm-hmm. or in a tropical environment you know mm-hmm. the the floor mm-hmm. is is cool so you can again walk around barefoot because mm-hmm. the house is 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 quite tempered and lovely um, the the um, amenities in the home are are connected 
and are there mm-hmm. to serve you and your family in such a way in terms of lighting, in terms of sound, in terms of, mm-hmm. of, of appliances that, that, that you just feel comfortable and, and taken care of. Yeah. Then you, you can wander out of your house down a garden path where everything, every square meter of available landmass that's open area mm-hmm. is edible. Mm-hmm. Orchards berms guilds swells mm-hmm. uh every kind of imaginable um cultivation that can happen um you see mm-hmm. sort of chickens and uh, hens darting about <laughs> you know that the <laughs> eggs are going to be fresh yeah. that that you can see you know just on the gentle sloping hillside a few cows wandering around or sheep mm-hmm. or goat um and again, for light dairy and for their aeration mm. of the soil and their waste, which is part of the ecosystem, mm. Um, mm. you you walk past these beautiful vertical mm. greenhouses that are architecturally what we call food cathedrals um, that are mm. that are that have fish and shrimp and and crawfish and several species of delicious freshwater fish, and their waste is feeding the 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 mm. plants for nutrients and fertilizer and it's all in this again regenerative circular ecosystem and you make your way to the community center where there's a bakery and and you smell the fresh bread being baked and you walk in and have a nice coffee and and there's the community people smiling and feeling excited because the fresh produce boxes are coming in now from from the gardens and the farms for your family to collect um, or to be delivered to to your doorstep, and uh, and you're part of something, and then you walk through the community mm-hmm. center to your shared office area and space, mm-hmm. and as you're there having your coffee and your freshly baked bun, mm-hmm. croissant, whatever it may be, you see your children uh, walking through to the nursery school or to the school, which is right mm-hmm. there, uh, again, in the village community, in part of this 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 thing. Mm-hmm. And that that whatever your needs are in terms of, of, of light clinical health care, dental, um, you know, beauty, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of spa-like setting, sauna, mm-hmm very important for the Nordics. You know, you have to have the community sauna. Uh, and all of those things are there within walkable, bikeable, small electric vehicle access. There's no, there, the, the car culture is at the periphery. They have this idea of shared smart mobility, um, which is which can take you to high-speed transit or drone delivery or drone taxis to an urban area like Stockholm, for instance, or to Malmo or whatever it may be, or Copenhagen across the, you know, the, 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 the water there. Um, however it may be, but the main idea really is that you don't have to go to an urban place or to an office. You can live and work and be educated and be part of a community. Um, and then moreover, uh, at the center, in the community center square, in the piazza mm-hmm. area, is mm-hmm. a place for education, for curriculum, mm-hmm. for yeah. maker movement, DIY projects, cultural events, mm-hmm. theatrical events, musical events, a place to, mm-hmm. to learn to, to cook and to create recipes um, mm-hmm. where people from all different walks of life, different socioeconomic, cultural, ethnic backgrounds, can mm-hmm. come together 
and become best of friends, even if you don't speak the same language, all mm -hmm. around food. This is what we believe yeah. is the main driving force. So that's a kind of a day in the life of, of living in a region village. Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And it's really about just <sighs> happiness, yeah. calm yeah. life. I'm able to tell your um, TV storytelling uh, skills from uh, it was very, very selling and uh, nice description. I, I, <laughs> you know, I can picture myself in, in that village while you were talking. I appreciate <laughs> this so much, you know, because honestly, I, the last few years especially, I've been, you know, my job has really been relegated to fundraising and dealing with investors mm -hmm. and dealing with, 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 you know, in terms of real estate development and, and all of this different sort of spreadsheets and, and, um, and it, and it really extracts the passion. Unfortunately, it, it, it mm -hmm. takes away from this ability to stop and, and remember what it is that's really, that really drew me in the first place towards this vision. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. which really is about just about um, the best parts of our life. If you stop and think about it, the best moments in your life really are these meals with friends and family where you're just laughing until you cry or, mm -hmm. or crying until you laugh and, mm -hmm. and finding just, where you can sit at a table and after you've had a delicious meal of organic life affirming ingredients sourced, you know, right next to where you ate those ingredients that you can think big thoughts about, about the world and about your community. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for this conversation because it, it's, uh, it reminds me of, of where mm. I really want to focus and really want to be with Regen Villages. Nice. Yeah, I um it um yeah, it it definitely sounds tempting to move there. <laughs> so, I think it um so speaking of more uh, serious uh, topics, uh you have mentioned that you have uh, worked with this uh like uh, under the Obama administration. Um that sounds um uh, pretty, I mean, it's interesting that um, like that was prioritized from a political point of view. So I'd be super interested to hear, you know, what you're able to share, like what you were doing, and 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 why the Obama administration actually did decide to prioritize this. Uh, okay, well, uh, let me just say that um, a few caveats with that that I. Um, had joined mm -hmm. the a uh, White House OSTP mm -hmm. uh, science office mm -hmm. uh, delegation joint task force on regenerative infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, but it was in 2016, uh, which mm -hmm. was really again the you know the the end of uh, the Obama administration, the beginning of the yeah. end of the Obama administration, um, and we had all had very high hopes. Of, of yeah. that this task force was going to go forth mm. and and mm. really begin to implement essentially a green transition strategy uh, across mm. the U.S., especially in what are called opportunity zones, and these are places mm. that have you know really been you know taken a terrible beating in terms of economic downturns, and and mm. so these were 
places that need to be rejuvenated and you needed to create social affordable housing and, and all of these mm. different kinds of things. So um, we got really excited and we, we started to move these things forward. It also included, mm. I was also appointed to a Department of Energy roundtable on mm. redefining uh, a microgrid, which is you know, typically related to power and energy, neighborhood mm. scale power, but um, to redefine that to include food and water and circular waste systems. So it's a much mm. broader interpretation of a grid, yeah. uh, microgrid, neighborhood mm-hmm. scale infrastructure, especially for tribal lands. Now in the U.S., mm-hmm. you've got you know these you know First Nations, indigenous culture that, um, and you you just can't believe the the, the living conditions they're in. It's um, mm-hmm. it's not you, you know you, you wouldn't even believe that you're living that you're that you're in in the uh, United States of America when you go to these places where people are living mm-hmm. without clean water, power. You know, living in in um, in very bad um, trailer, mm-hmm. you know, or pop up mm-hmm. kind of housing conditions, and um, terrible diets, and and diabetes, and and alcoholism, and all these different kinds mm-hmm. of, of of bad situations. So we were really looking at, hey, what can we do? Create new economic models, build mm-hmm. new housing, design for extreme affordability, create these mm-hmm. kinds of places rapidly. But then, of course, the administration changed, and um, yeah. we had hoped that that this momentum would sort of continue, mm. uh, but it didn't, and and it, mm. it's been a um, um, and a really unfortunate moment mm. for us, you know, in terms of having to uh, to really see a great number of environmental. Um, milestones and protections completely taken out over the last four mm-hmm. years. So, yeah, I mean, um, uh, we're hopeful that this week coming up, we can see uh, a new kind of administration that will be focusing a lot of, of resources mm-hmm. towards a new industrial commitment um, and to be perfectly honest, not just here in the U.S., but all around the world, we need a kind of uh, a depression logic, systemic funding programs for uh, work uh, in related to work programs related to green infrastructure. And 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 that's You're talking about in the mental mental illness. N- no, in, in terms of in terms of uh, uh, you know what what COVID has caused around mm-hmm. the world is is a, a really a wake up call to the fact that our extraction consumption economies based on quarterly profits that that yeah. are that have to keep going up and up and up. You know, there's only one other organism that we know of that acts like that. It's called yeah. cancer. Okay. It's a cancer cell. Yeah. Okay. Because it keeps eating and it keeps growing uh, and it doesn't care about its host. So, so, yeah. so basically. That's actually very good. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. So here we are now coming, you know, hopefully out of COVID. I don't know when, but mm-hmm. at some point soon. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, we will need a new economic model that's going to be based on mm-hmm. green infrastructure, new housing on, on, you know, smart mobility, autonomous mobility, 
also new infrastructure on energy and 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 waste uh, mitigation, but also around organic food, hyper local, resilient, district scale, neighborhood scale mm-hmm. production that um, that creates safety. These are all safety measures mm-hmm. that can be nurturing. So it also will be some mm-hmm. combination of universal basic income. So a little bit of sprinkling in that. And we think between building the right neighborhoods that can be self-sustaining, that the, yeah. the amount of, 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 of in basic income that families will need, that that delta is really reduced. Because if, oh, yeah. if most of your needs are met, housing, food, water, energy, you throw in maybe Wi-Fi, espresso, I don't know, um, the basic, yeah. the new basic hierarchical needs, right? Um, yeah. That, uh, that the the amount of actual UBI that you would need, universal basic income, can actually be much less. So, um, but moreover, that building these communities, it's not about mm-hmm. communism or socialism or any of these isms. It's really about inspiring new economic models. You know, yeah. again, when you when you cover the basic needs and you're nurturing people, they have a path to 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 think big thoughts. And start to learn things and contribute. Um, so, in any case, that's that's our feeling about where we have to go economically um, on planet mm-hmm. Earth, not just here in the U.S. Um, of course, we're praying that we can get a a green transition facing government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's really crazy to me that that we're living um, on Earth with all of the understanding and all of the science and, 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 and viscerally seeing, you know, I'm here in California and we've lost, you know, 4.2 million acres in the last two and a half months to forest fires, 4.2 million acres just in the state of California. And Mm -hmm. I, I still, I can't go outside today because, because the air quality is bad. Um, So the smoke and the fires are still lingering here. And the bottom line is we live on this, this organism, this mother earth. And as Buckminster Fuller used to say, spaceship earth, um, as if, you know, we're not in a capsule, basically, we just continue to think that the resources are endless and they're not. So we have to be regenerative and resilient. And that's really the, the, the goal of what we're up to here. Yeah, nice. And it seems like um, uh, you're not only um, inspiring, you know, uh, uh, the, the politics. I so I, I see. Yeah, I don't know if it's the latest update now, but you have over twenty-two thousand families that have registered to live in region villages. Um, so that's quite a lot, lot of families that already want to move in. <laughs> so I mean, where what do you see that? Um, where is this traction coming from? Um, well, we've, uh, we've been the media darling um, yeah. since 2016 when we first really announced mm-hmm. Regen Villages as this Stanford spinoff company uh, to mm-hmm. to imagine the future of living in you know in these self sustaining communities and and of course you know it's like this high tech concept that that really mm-hmm. got the imagination of these these media sources and big media sources by the way you know mm-hmm. Forbes and Bloomberg News mm-hmm. and and New York Times and um, 
and uh, you know, um, and Habitat, and you know, all the big news sources out there, and um, that created this viral spread mm-hmm. of of the story. Um, the World Economic Forum did a video. Now this did a video, and you know, we've had probably 150 plus million web impressions, mm-hmm. if not more, mm-hmm. um, and 27,000 families now have okay. pre-registered, um, mm-hmm. and we we have uh, essentially created a demand for mm-hmm. for people who essentially looking for place. They're looking for, an, um, they want to, to buy a house or they want to rent a house. They want to be part of a community, mm-hmm. but they want to be part of a community where the neighborhood amenities, the infrastructure, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. it's not just about a tennis court or a golf course or a pool, mm-hmm. um, that the neighborhood infrastructure is actually about safety and resiliency and health and well-being mm-hmm. and nurturing and compassion and that it's multi-generational and um, so of course we've got these you know creative class cultural creative uh, seniors who do not want to downsize and move into you know senior living or assisted living because mm-hmm. what is that that's mm-hmm. that's purgatory that's ridiculous they want to mm-hmm. move into a community where there there are babies running around and and mm-hmm. it's perfect to have you know nursery school and and elder care combined okay mm-hmm. a lot of great research behind that um, coming out of the Netherlands and in Sweden and other places, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then, but also families want to move there, of course. But but young people mm-hmm. want to move there because they want to live close to the land and they want to feel like mm-hmm. that they that their effort in a community mm-hmm. will lead to a place where they can they can find the right mate and mm-hmm. and have children mm-hmm. and and have a long life. So. Um, that's what's drawing the people from around the world. In other mm-hmm. words, uh, people who live in a city environment, they, they, a lot of people dream about the countryside, but they're frightened mm-hmm. because they don't have skills. They don't have farming, gardening skills. They don't have the skills mm-hmm. to, you know, maintain or take care of like an old house or, or mm-hmm. to, to deal with, um, or to worry about, you know, being distant from, from the city for whatever reason, um, Mm -hmm. for all the different reasons. But when you can create a, like a Hamlet, uh, uh, a, you know, classic European Mm -hmm. village scenario Mm -hmm. of beautiful, you know, Scandinavian design, architectural aesthetic with these beautiful, you know, mass timber, you know, components, and it's just glass and wood and, and, it glows and you know warmly in the winter and it's just beautiful in the spring and the summer and all of those mm-hmm. different aspects and and it's all about you know carving out the waterways and creating you know places for for mm-hmm. for kayaking or sailing or swimming whatever it may be mm-hmm. um and and you just have this places where people feel safe and nurtured um then all of a sudden you've got this turnkey scenario where you don't have to be a farmer. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to be a general contractor. You don't have to be a handyman or woman. Um, you can, you can 
come to the community as you would any other subdivision, quote unquote, buy mm-hmm. a house, rent a house, um, have social affordable access mm-hmm. to, to living mm-hmm. in the community. That's very important for us. We're not looking for these gated communities of just wealthy people. It has to be mm-hmm. about a mix. Um, and the people who do have money and means have to be okay with living in a community with diverse socioeconomic mm-hmm. and cultural and ethnic uh, families. Okay. Some strong values, common ground it's, there. It's, it's, I'm not, we're not socially engineering anything, but the bottom line is mm-hmm. you're not going to move into regen villages if you're a racist. It's not going to work for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a good place. Um, because, because we're going to have lots of families with lots of backgrounds. However, if you've had some background in that, um, and you want to free yourself of that, Regen Villages is a perfect and thankful place to live in because then you have a chance to actually meet people from different culture and different backgrounds over, Mm -hmm. um, food and breaking bread Mm -hmm. and, and laughter together. And you know, all around the world, we have seen that the kitchen is the best place for brokering peaceful communities. That the kitchen mm-hmm. and recipes and food mm-hmm. allows people to sample flavors and tastes and, and understanding is actually a basis of understanding is created around food. It's quite a mm-hmm. phenomenon, but it's, but it's true. So that's how we roll. That's how we think about things. Um, mm-hmm. And and of course, it's not for everybody. You know, people who want to live in Manhattan and live in London and live in Paris. You know, God bless them. They can. They live in the city. They they want to live in you know forty, fifty, hundred story apartment building. Um, they can. You know, uh, I worry very much about them. Because when the power goes out in a hundred floor building, um, that means your elevator doesn't work. Um, mm. and, and if the water goes out, well, then it means you have to figure out how to get water to your apartment mm. um, and et cetera. So uh, that's kind of our, our thought process and mm. is finding so- a solution. Yeah. Um, so, is it because you mentioned that you got a lot of media traction because of your technology company? Does that? So, what are the typical people that have registered so far? Is it a lot of tech people, or is it um, um, no. professionals, or is it like all type of uh, demographics? Or, Look, we've got uh, we've got we've got these uh, cultural creatives, creative class, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, senior folks, they don't want to buy one mm-hmm. house from us. They want to buy five or 10, mm-hmm. you know, because they want to buy a house for their kids and their grandkids and, mm-hmm. and, and their friends mm-hmm. and their family. They, they, they have a lot of money and they want to live in a community like this. So there's mm-hmm. that end of the spectrum. And then we've got, you know, young people, uh, you mm-hmm. know, millennials and, and, and younger who like me, <laughs> exactly. Who want very much, to not only live in a regen village, but have a path to ownership. So maybe they'll come in through a social housing, you know, kind of scheme or, or social affordable housing scheme. And, and through, you know, your contributions, 
to the community in terms of effort and labor and, 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 and commitment, you can actually have a path to ownership. So what we've done is we look at, at the, the monthly association fee, what's called the, here in the U.S., a HOA fee, homeowners association mm-hmm. fee, um, as a mechanism for uh, creating a, a happy eco-village community. So basically, mm-hmm. um, like I said, you don't have to be a farmer. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to do anything in a regen village if you don't want to. You would then pay a higher monthly association fee and you would get mm-hmm. your food and your water and your energy and you would get, you know, mm-hmm. you'd get your, your sustenance from the community. Mm-hmm. You just pay a higher monthly fee. However, if you and your family members contribute and, and volunteer and participate in the community, we have these tasks, these ledgered tasks that mm-hmm. when they're completed, uh, your family then, your, your monthly bill gets reduced because you've mm-hmm. helped reduce those costs for the community. So, mm-hmm. so basically then your monthly either association fee goes down or maybe your rent bill is reduced or maybe your mortgage bill is reduced um, and or maybe you come to the community with nothing but you're able to get a social flat and over a period of 20 years of commitment and effort in the community, you actually can get title on that flat. Uh, so it's a, it's a sweat equity kind of commitment. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. So that's where, in other words, we're trying to, to say, look, we want to be inclusive. We want to mm-hmm. understand what's happening now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the amount of, of jobs are just not going to be there anymore. And what's coming in right now, what you're seeing coming in rapidly, that's going to replace the current uh, or previously employed people will be robots, will be machine learning. And it's not just about assembly line workers or, or menial labor. It's about um, lawyers, doctors, professors, uh, architects, engineers, um, machine learning is going to start to replace a lot of jobs. And, and we have to be prepared to not take the, the best and the brightest and, and, and our, our populace overall and, and, and turn this into like a, a matrix movie scenario, you know, where we're like really working for the robots. We want to be able to live in these beautiful th- flourishing places where yes, the machine learning and the robotics are doing their part to support us and our thriving yeah. and our flourishing, um, but but we have new opportunities. So it's to change the definition of work to self worth. Yeah, yeah, that's really what we're talking about here. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of broad pieces that can happen mm-hmm. uh, by living mm-hmm. in a, in a regen villages community. So. In- in a way, I guess it's changing the um, the KPI and what you're optimizing towards in societies. And I guess it kind of like leads over to my next question: like, what is the main challenges like to to in society um, to put this into practice? Um, like, I like to say, rules really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd like to say it's it's not a matter of science, technology, or physics anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, because people seem to think. That, that all of a sudden that it's, oh my gosh, it's such a leap of faith. This is like some kind of Star Trek, hollow deck future 
You know, it sounds great, but it's not practical. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, it really isn't a matter of science, technology, or physics. In other words, all of these things exist right now. All of these pieces and components exist for us to create these beautiful, self-sustaining, safe and happy and healthy neighborhoods and communities. So what is the problem? What's the barrier? The barrier is really two things. It's money and political will. And the interesting thing is that when you have the money, typically, not always, but typically the political will gets a little bit easier Mm -hmm. Um, because, of course, they see that there's industrial interest and Mm -hmm. support. They see that there is an economic basis, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. spreadsheets that make the government officials look good. Um, Mm -hmm. If they change those rules, then okay, they know that they're not going to fail. This will be successful. So the money that's in place helps to make those politicians feel more comfortable to change the rules to make those things happen. I'll give you a perfect example from a Swedish perspective. In Sweden, um, you're a beautiful country, and I've been there 37, 38 times in the last four years, by the way, north, south, east, and west, from, from, yeah. <laughs> from Lula to Skurup, from Eslav to Gotland. I've been everywhere. Um, and then, you see more Sweden than I have. <laughs> yeah, um, probably. <clears throat> but here's the thing. In Sweden, you need to build a million plus, one million plus new homes mm-hmm. in the next eight to ten years. And yet it takes, with the current rules and regulations, anywhere between five to ten years to get yeah. permission and the ability to, mm-hmm. to build um, for one community maybe a few hundred homes. And Sweden also made some some pretty big mistakes in the 1970s in terms of social housing and and these housing blocks that um which I understood was okay we need housing desperately <clears throat> but they didn't approach the neighborhood infrastructure and a path to ownership and and a, a scenario where those neighborhoods could be um, improving actually over decades and not declining over decades. <clears throat> so, um, so Sweden is a is an example, a poster child of how our village operating system software can a change the rules, create a new rule book uh, for fast track permitting and permissioning, and to run those communities, but also that we have to work with like Electa and SEB um, and, 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 and the, the, the big, um, you know, constructors, you know, uh, um, in, you know, in, in Sweden, whether it's Skanska or, or what is it? Uh, um, N, NCA, um, et cetera, that, that they are engaged in this industrialized scaled approach to mm-hmm. um, new build developments where two-thirds of the land grant, you know, that's a big piece of land, is not going to be developed for housing, but actually will be, excuse me, it will be developed for critical life support systems that support Mm -hmm. that housing density, that new build density. So basically park-like, bikeable, walkable, edible neighborhood Mm -hmm. infrastructure water capture, energy generation, waste digestion that supports 
several hundred new homes in those communities or several thousand new homes in those communities to make them safe and self-reliant. And so that's where, that's our goal uh, is to get to this industrialized scale so that a country like Sweden can have a new rule book um, that, that works for its citizens. Nice. So um, wrapping up with the last question then, which is nice to take into that. So, You are actually now in uh, the process of a Series A uh, round of investment. Uh, so, I mean, what type of investors are you looking for, and what's your what's your investor pitch? Like, well, why is this? Um, uh, you know, investors always uh, care about the financial. So, why is it a good product to invest in as well? Right. So, <laughs> apart from all the um, all the um, the, the the apart from all the good things. <laughs> As well. Absolutely. The, the, the main thing really is this is an impact investment scenario. So we're talking yeah. about absolutely, you know, beautiful kinds of healthy returns, but they're long term returns. We're looking at long term positive externality spreadsheets. Uh, and 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 of course, we're striving for, let's say, a 12 to 15 percent iterated rate of return or IRR for each real estate development. So it's a it's a reasonable double digit profit, but it's not 25% with a two year exit. It's 10, 12%, 12 to 15, whatever percent based on maybe a five year return or exit return for on the real estate side. On the software side, of course, it's more Silicon Valley um, and this like and this concept that as we build both the data repository and the algorithms to design and or and operate these mm-hmm. neighborhoods that there's potentially you know billions of euro value in a software platform mm-hmm. that can heal mm-hmm. and help planet earth having mm-hmm. our connection now to the UN climate change secretariat being mm-hmm. part of the EU smart rural villages commission which we've been now for for the last 18 months plus um, that there is a a bigger meaning in terms of return on investment. So we're looking right now for 16 million euro for our series A round. We're looking for the right investors. Okay. Those are folks, the wealthy family offices, uh, pension funds, sovereign wealth, but more than likely it would be at this stage, private equity investors, wealthy real estate investors, uh, tech investors, but folks who uh, are ready right now to lean in on restoring and healing our mother, planet Mm -hmm. Earth, Mm -hmm. while also addressing critical housing shortages Mm -hmm. and and economic inequality and Mm -hmm. creating these self-sustaining, self-reliant communities that Mm -hmm. actually reduce burdens on government, local, Mm -hmm. regional, national, reduce burdens on healthcare systems. This This is our main goal for Regen Villages. Um, and and that there is a impact investment return that mm-hmm. will allow us to then connect directly to these big financial organizations, sovereign wealth, mm-hmm. pension fund, green transition funds, mm-hmm. EU regional structural funds, the like, mm-hmm. and be able to have patient debt finance. Yeah. So that we're really at, at the end of the day an incredibly sexy software company that has a uh, connection as a conduit to big finance. Mm-hmm. And then developers, landowners, government, 
communities, mm -hmm. constructors all around the world will be vying uh, for us mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. work with them. Mm -hmm. And and so we are, I like to use this metaphor um, as a mycelial network, a fungal network that's mm -hmm. a beneficial uh, long-term economic ledger that we can inoculate ourselves into the previous industry of construction and real estate development, terrible mm -hmm. greed and terrible polluting you know, organizations, mm -hmm. inoculate ourselves into their mindset with a new business model, a new economic model that they do understand because it is about developing, but it's developing in the right way. Yeah. And then we can see that these mushrooms or lily pads of neighborhoods get built rapidly mm -hmm. around the world. And, and that's, that's my definition of wealth is mm -hmm. this idea that um, hundreds of thousands, millions hundreds of millions of people around the world can live happily, you know, with great health and in peace in these communities that new economic models are beginning to sprout up. And we can be the cause of that through this mechanism. So that's our goal. So it's a, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's taking Greta, to the next level. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We love you, Greg. Fueling the move, movement. <laughs> we love you, Greg. Yeah. So, yeah, she's um and she's amazing. <laughs> um great. Um this has been super fascinating um and it also brings me a lot of future hope. Um so I am excited to follow this. Uh is there anything else you would like to share before we wrap up the show? how to get in touch with you, how to sign up, um, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just uh, pretty simple. It's regenvillages.com, mm -hmm. Gen, short for regenerative, so regenvillages.com. Uh, it's easy to find me on LinkedIn or or my email is just james at regenvillages.com. Mm -hmm. Also, um, you know, to to just say to to the community of, of um, the next generation of family office folks, people who are now your age and, and younger mm -hmm. coming into this new wealth, that this is an opportunity to, to create uh, the future of, yes. of living on earth through this kind of investment vehicle. And, and so we're really looking forward to, to welcoming in those, mm -hmm. those kinds of conversations. Um, and, and also someday I look forward to meeting Greta and uh, yeah. and having her also say, "Hey, this is the right way forward," um, mm -hmm. because she she certainly has captivated the imagination and the spirit and the enthusiasm of, of a lot of these folks mm -hmm. we're also interested in in speaking with. So I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful mm -hmm. for being able to to just share our story and where we're mm -hmm. going, and and that this is a journey that requires. Uh, a planetary engagement. So mm -hmm. we we look for for folks all around the world who want to join us. Thank you for that, and I'm super grateful as well for this conversation today. And um, I look forward to sharing it with the listeners. Perfect. Thanks again. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. And
Enjoy your day over there. <laughs> Take care. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you want to read up more about the guest, then you can go to the show notes to get all of the links. And also, if you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter to never miss the latest episode. Thank you for today. See you in the next episode.